0: You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier.
1: Hey, everybody, happy holidays. We're coming up on the end of the year here. So we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Uh, Typically, we have outside guests, uh, thought leaders, PropTech CEOs, brokers, tenants—you name it. Um, but we wanted to go inside the house today, and for that reason, Andrew Flint, my co-founder at Occupiers, has joined us. Andrew, how's it going?
0: Good, man. What's going on?
1: You, know, you got your yeah. uh, you got your Christmas tuxedo on today, huh?
0: Yeah, it's festive, man. You know, we had the crew in the office today, so we're uh, bring the uh, bring the Christmas spirit. Yeah, you got to spice it up. Um, Cool. Well,
1: thanks for joining us while I've been busy pumping out podcast episodes. You've been doing all the work at the company, so thanks for that. Um, Why don't we dive into it? What's your highlight, Ben, so far for this year? I think it's just been like just the sheer amount of stuff that we had to do to get where we're at. You know, like you and I were both brokers. Like we, we had a very singular mission if you wanted to make money as a broker. Now, you had to be really good at a lot of stuff, whether it's selling or pitching or advising or just like finding information, communicating, things like that. But really at the end of the day, you had to do one job and it was get leases done, whether you're representing a tenant or a landlord. And it was like, you know, pretty easy to figure out what was noise and what was easy to focus on. I think like where we're at right now is like, there's a bazillion things that need to get done. There are so many things you could spend your time on. But what I've learned is like, fail fast. Like, try something, if it doesn't work, iterate. Take those learnings, put it back into the next time you try something. So I think my highlight is like, we hired a ton of people. We developed a product. We sold the product. We got office space. We recruited people. We did all this stuff. And just going back, it's like, wow. We went from like this yard line to that yard line and to me that like feels great because you know as a sports analogy it's like you move the ball down the field the closer you get to the end zone the more excited you get about like what that touchdown is going to feel like so
0: um yeah i think you know highlighted... what we're still doing. what's that you No, know what we're still doing we're still helping people get leases done that's right we are still helping people get leases
1: done we're just doing it on the internet
0: on the internet yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's been awesome to see, right, is, like, the amount of – I think we've I think we had, like, so far this year, 109 new customers come on board. Um, I think we're – you know, we've got a couple weeks left. You know, I think a couple more, you know, deals that I think we're, we feel very good about getting done. But, like, that's been incredible to see, right? I mean, from everything from, like, the team that kind of caters the product, sales, customer success, is, like, seeing that momentum roll it out – roll, you know, kind of align with, like, some incredible – logos that have come on board and the feedback that we've been getting around kind of how, you know, just like better access to their data has kind of changed their game, not just from like a real estate planning perspective, but just like operationally for their business.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also been interesting to see the breadth of co- type of types of companies that, that we work with. Like we have ice cream retailers, <laughs> we have clothing retailers, we have law firms, we have life science companies, we have, we have doggy daycare facilities. So I just think that like from that perspective, it's, you know, one might say, well, shouldn't you focus on like one vertical or one type of customer? And our answer has always been like, no, if they have a commercial lease, it's generally managed the same way and we can handle it. So it's really about like, what are the problems that are facing these businesses and how can we insert our, our product to help them solve those problems? to enable their businesses to keep growing growing better, faster, more efficiently. So you're right, man. Like, it's been great. Like, the logo acquisition, you know, we've been very intentional also with making sure that our ideal customer profile is dialed in. So, like, when you look at the logos that we have, everybody knows those companies because they're, like, household names, high growth. Like, look look at our retail portfolio. Like, you walk down any main street in any city, you're going to be like, Occupy our customer, occupy our customer, occupy our customer. <clears throat> it's awesome.
0: Yeah. I often wear their clothes, Bonobos, Marine Layer, Buck Mason.
1: Yeah. I mean, you got to shop
0: where your customers are. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> I go Shake Shack every day for lunch just so I can uh, support my customer.
0: <laughs>
1: um, <clears throat> all right, cool. I so, you
0: explain, but you know what?
1: Yeah, I mean, just got to buy some bigger clothes at Buck Mason after a couple <laughs> of months. <laughs> We've gotten to the point where we're going into 2023. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Although a lot of people think they know what's going to happen. Everybody's kind of, you know, buckling down for this recession. You know, my take on it is like the companies that are solving, like must have business problems are the ones that while they might not just have like this meteoric growth are the ones that are going to be able to like get through all the chop that's coming it's still yet to be determined like how severe a recession could potentially be. Our companies gonna be cutting software budgets? Our real estate offices just gonna shut down completely. There's so much uncertainty out there. And the way I look at that is like that's just like straight up opportunity. Yeah. Like, if you can like solve like tangible problems for people, there's a place for you in the market. I feel like it's great because, like, we're going through – we're going to go through a recession as a startup. And I think if we can survive that, it's, like, basically, you know, you could do anything.
0: We survived a pandemic. I thought we were going to survive a uh, recession. We're already survivors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two-time survivors. That's what we're going for. People are two-time founders. You know, we're going to be two-time survivors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it's opportunity, I think it's opportunity man. I, it's um, – you know, I I think we've we've learned along the way that there's, you know, the way that we use real estate can evolve. You know, we don't need to make our commutes every single day to be in the office, you know. There's different ways that we can kind of, you know, purchase, you know, from a consumer perspective product, but at the end of the day, there's still this a big value whether it's like around collaboration and community with the office world that you still like to you know have like a customer experience inside some place you know real estate's still there there but you know the, the the idea behind like modernizing is right as this changes right it, it feels like we're in a, the best position possible to essentially meet like the foundational needs of a lot of these companies as their use of real estate evolves that's kind of what seems to be the most exciting thing for us, right? I think the, the broader team is that he's kind of capturing that opportunity and being well-positioned to do so.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, if you look at a lot of our customers, they haven't deployed software for their real estate department ever. And so the more and more customers that we talk to like that, the more obvious it's going to be that, yeah, I should allocate some budget to make sure like I'm, I have the data available for me to like make the proper real estate decisions, um, not to mention stay in compliance with lease accounting regulations. Right. So we've got this kind of like two headed monster of a value proposition
0: that whether it's a good time or a bad time, you need it. Well, I, I mean, it, it goes to show it just in like, the, I think the data that we've been able to see from like the aggregate viewpoint you know, I was looking at this the other day, our average, you know, office user has 42, 43 locations. Right now that's grown by 6% from the end of the first half of the year to now. Uh, The the retail portfolios, the average portfolio is like 113 locations. That's grown by like 6.8%, you know, from the end of June to now. So there's, there may be different ways we use it, but there's, there's, it's almost like this idea of how they're using it now becomes more complex and it's growing their portfolios in terms of, maybe not size in terms of square footage, but in, in from, from a location, number of locations perspective it is, which is super interesting and, and dynamic to kind of think about. Yeah, I
1: mean, and dude, like we saw this during COVID, some of our customers use the product to more quickly shut down locations. Yeah. Like it wasn't like all about growth. Like there are customers who were able to identify immediately opportunities in their portfolio where they could leverage their lease language with a landlord to say, Hey, like I'm in X, Y, Z city or state. And they're telling me I can't let people come into my store. I'm going to terminate this lease and here's why. And here's the financial impact of that for my business. And they were able to make those decisions. Because they had access to that information that wasn't living in a file folder, it wasn't with their attorney, it was transparent. Yeah. What's your take on prop tech in general? I mean, a lot of what we talk about on the show is like different areas of prop tech or the prop tech market and its evolution. I mean, we worked at VTS together for five years, you were at VTS since like almost day one. Nick and Ryan are crushing it. They're building a business that is kind of like one of the household names in that space. But there hasn't been like too many like huge exits unless you lump some other things into it like Airbnb or whatever that may or may not be considered like prop tech in the sense of commercial real estate. How is commercial real estate in your mind like evolved over the last 10 plus years? And like where do you think it like needs to go or can go or? Are we at, like, the five-yard line marching down the field, or are we, like, punching it in the end zone? What are we doing?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would would feel like we're probably more at the five-yard line still in its infancy. I mean, this was, you know, as much as some of those things might be considered prop tech, I I kind of, in my mind, I kind of probably always narrow it down to – like prop tech being more of, or like that sort of enterprise type software that's like solving a lot of like the foundational sort of workflow, data access. Like, yeah, remember,
1: remember when people were like considering WeWork a prop tech company? I yeah. always just be like, what are we, what, are, what are we doing,
0: people? <laughs> Flexible workspace. It's office space. They lease office space. All right. <laughs> yeah. But Airbnb is like a consumer brand. It's like it's like it's you know it's no different. If you might if you consider them prop tech, you might as well consider Marriott Hotels a prop tech company. uh, (laughs) At the end of the day, Um, so I don't know. It's it's interesting. I still think it just feels like we're still like adopting this technology, and you know you're replacing some of these legacy processes that will open up the 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 opportunity for like bigger and better things. Um, Yeah, I remember being on a panel way back at VTS and someone brought up the idea of big data and it was kind of like big data, like we don't even understand what our own data is. Yeah, we got (laughs) to like like foundationally transition what we used to do into like newer technology before we can kind of do some really cool stuff with data. AI, whatever you want to kind okay.
1: of like. I mean, I remember working on VTS and we'd go out to like sell VTS to brokers and it'd be like, well, are you trying to take my data so you can take my job? And it's like, no, no. And you know, every once in a while people ask us or me about that with Occupy like, oh, are you trying to displace brokers? Or are you trying to, you know, become like a internet leasing company? And it's like, do you know how far we are from doing that? Like... <laughs> The, the companies that have already tried to create like online marketplaces to lease office space, they're, they're gone. And like, they were, they were probably like 20 or 30 years ahead of their time. I'm not saying it's a bad idea and it doesn't deserve merit for consideration, but just like the, the archaic workflows that still exist in just occupancy in general for tenants is like, there's, there's so much innovation that could be made there before you even think about like, Oh, like how are we going to displace the traditional way of leasing
0: space? Yeah, it might change, but just look at the, look at some of our biggest users, they're brokers. They're going to use technology to change that, change that, but be at the forefront of it. Right.
1: All right. Let's hit on some serious issues here. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, real estate landscape. Andrew, um, the past few years for commercial real estate has been an absolute roller coaster. might even get a little rockier going forward. Um, what overarching themes would you use to summarize 2022 in commercial real estate?
0: Yeah, I think it's been, um, if I, if I break this down, kind okay, of, two things come to mind really. I think it's like, there has been this like boom in like the retail world it's called yeah. a retail red. I don't know if retail resurrection's right. But I mean, you look back six years ago, everyone thought retail was dead. Um, I think retail has been off the charts, especially with you know many of our clients who have grown exponentially over the past 12, 24 months. I think the other thing is like the office side of things. You know, I think, you know, some people think office is dead. I think other people just think it's being re, you know, like uh, re-envisioned uh, for how people use it going forward. I think that's probably the most interesting to me given like, you know, my background, like your background is, you know, how that's gonna change, you know, we, For some of you out there, you might not be aware of this this new group called Purposeful Intent. They're creating these really sort of like small, intimate, dynamic um, events with directors of real estate and workplace management. And, you know, we've been to, you know, you and I have been to those events, right? It's just interesting to see the dynamic of how people are rethinking about not just how someone comes in and does their day job, but how they're doing stuff and collaborating with all of their peers and what are the things that are going to help, bring people into the office and drive you know, product, you know, some level of productivity or value. Um, and that's been, I think, just super interesting and top of minds for everyone from, from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, I think uh, on the retail front, like you know, the pandemic put such a microscope on, or it just put retailers through just like this massive ringer of how, how, like, trying to come to grips with the actual business model of selling stuff in stores. And I think that people like to go to stores. Now, obviously people like to order stuff too, but I think just the resurgence of retail since like things opened up after COVID is so strong. Maybe these retailers had some dry powder. They really thought about their expansion plans. They thought about the experience that they would provide consumers coming into stores and they were really prepared to get back into the game and I think that's been telling in the stats in terms of vacancy rates for retail space on the office side it has been completely upended right the traditional idea of like oh I need to lease this much space at these lease rates and build it out and like it's going to serve these purposes that has gone out the window so yes you have office decision makers trying to figure out what is the true nature of an office do we need one does it have to do this? Does it have to do that? What do my employees really want so I, so they can get the best work done? So I, I feel like those questions are 100% still unanswered,
0: which yeah. is
1: why you have some companies mandating people come back. You have other companies not even talking
0: about it. It's just, I'll leave it at that. It's just completely undetermined. Matt, I mean, you know, we've, like, you know, out of our customer growth over the past year, we've seen huge growth in the healthcare world, um, whether it's, like, companies coming on to, Manage their lease portfolios, or you know, a lot of actually like brokers across the country that specialize in in healthcare that are managing their entire sort of like deal pipeline in occupier. Like, what's yeah, I don't know. What, what's your thought on that sector of the market?
1: I think there's two forces that I've seen at least with our customers. Is one is private equity roll up strategies. Um, you know, we have clients that might have like, you know, a strategy where they're going to go out and they're going to acquire all these mental health clinics across the country, or they're going to attract clinicians in that area to come on their brand. And they're trying to build a nationwide platform on a roll up basis. Um, and the other phenomenon I s- phenomenon I see is like M&A activity and they kind of play together right eventually all of these huge hospital systems start to gobble up all of these uh PE led like roll-up practices so you know I live here in Boston Mass General Brigham they're growing they're always growing they're always adding new buildings because they're bringing in new you know practice groups etc so I think those regional hospital systems that you mentioned, like you know, brokers who are representing them, yeah, they're they're primarily help, helping them plan for expansion, um, whether that's regionally or getting in a new market. So I think healthcare is just like this active space because it's just in demand. And I think technology is something that's impacting the healthcare space, where you you can meet with your doctor like this right now online on a video format. But like you know, there's certain things that you have to go in in person for. So you're starting to see a lot of those things embed themselves in the community. So you get MedTail, you get shopping centers that all of a sudden have an ambul- ambulatory like care clinic in it. Um, whereas normally that would be like a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, I don't have the answers, but that's just like what I'm seeing. We had a webinar recently with uh, retail broker, Navin Bhatani. Um, he represents a lot of like emerging, uh, retail brands in his, his advice was like, think really hard about if now is the right time to open a new retail location. Um, You get construction costs skyrocketing, you get inflation, uh, you have a lot of changes in customer behavior, rents are kind of still escalating because retail vacancy rates are still pretty low. How do you think about like 2023 and the economic environment that might like dictate real estate decisions. Cause on the office side, you and I were in San Francisco recently talking to a bunch of brokers. You're just like, office deals are just getting kicked down the road and landlords are happy to take that three month extension just to help you figure out like with the hopes they stay, right? Like what does 2023 mean for deals getting done?
0: Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that it, you're rethinking about maybe your location strategy. Um, you know, I have a one of my good buddies is in the whole restaurant business and you know he's talked about the differences between locations that were like cbd focused in the past that did really well but before the pandemic which aren't doing as well which you know compared to the ones that might still be catered towards like touristy areas of new york city or more residential areas like if people aren't going into an office and they're working from home three days a week you know, sometimes they still want to go get lunch, order in, go get it. You know, it's like, you know, face it is, you know, not everybody's always cooking. And so they're they're heading out and going to get, get you know, their food. But these might have been locations where before the pandemic, no one would have ever considered them because maybe that lunch rush wasn't there. So that's kind of been okay. interesting to kind of hear is, you know, it, it seems like there's like – Depending on what you're purchasing, like consumers are still there. It's just where are they actually buying it, and at what times, which might have changed compared to you know two, three years ago.
1: Yeah. What do you think is going to happen to the CBD areas that are typically relied so heavily on that lunch rush and the office um, workers coming into the city? And I think about Boston, and there's new towers that are being finished or going up, but then there's like this like C and B class of space that the buildings are not efficient, the floor plates aren't that efficient, people aren't really coming into those offices. Like, what do you think about like the future of like C B D like office stock? Do you think that needs to be rethought? Do you think eventually those will get filled up again and they'll just keep doing the same thing that they're doing?
0: It seems like there's, you know, starting to be that movement towards, you know, reconsidering what the use is for it. There was an article that uh, was shared recently about Silverstein in New York. I think looking to rate maybe raise money or devote a significant amount of capital to convert office buildings to residential. So I don't know. Do these CBDs actually become like more residential areas, right? Which then kind of changes the whole dynamic of that whole neighborhood in terms of retail and you know common space. It's super interesting to kind of think about. I feel like you know someone's got to take that first initiative, right? Which likely won't. It's not going to happen overnight. So one of those things we'll look back in five years and maybe look at a neighborhood and be like, Holy shit. Like I don't recognize that compared to what it was five years ago. Um, And that kind
1: of happened in like the 2010s, right? Like after the financial crisis, there was a big building boom because money was so cheap and like you could just whatever, like there was just a ton of development. So you created these live play work environments. Um, but you still get the, like the old school CBDs, like the financial districts of cities that are just primarily office buildings. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Yeah. And our year was pretty radical if you ask me. So, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Give me, I don't know, one or two highlights off the top of 2022.
0: Yeah, there's been, I feel like it's been a solid year for us. Uh, I think that the highlight that kind of enabled, a lot of other things that were really special about 2022 was just finalizing our Series A back in February. We kind of brought on some awesome new investors, Stage 2, and OMERS um, continued to align with you know past investors like Metaprop, a late second century. And I mean, I think closing that, like all that momentum out of 2021 and closing that enables to, enabled us to do everything else, right? Which... I think the highlight was just building out the team really. Agreed,
1: man. Um, All right, while we have you, and I know this isn't our traditional episode, we're gonna gonna do the um, rapid fire five questions with you. All
0: right. All right, you you game for this? Can we fire these right back at you as well? Do you ever answer them?
1: Yeah, I think there's been one or two guests who have like turned the tables on me. Yeah. Um, And I'm cool with that, like, you know. Not everyone's that savvy like you, Andrew. Though. Let's
0: yeah. let's let's open up the open up the doors to match your food. Yeah, open the kimono. Oh. All right. What's your
1: favorite holiday tradition? Question number one.
0: Yeah, I love. I mean, I've got three kids, so I kind of like Christmas morning. Is the kids? We don't really open presents like the main presents until everybody's up, but the kids can go grab their stockings and they come and jump in in bed with us and open up like stocking gifts. Um, Pippa doesn't really grasp that yet but she's only she'll get it she'll get it she'll she'll come up the learning curve and the last thing we have a tradition of this like this thing called festival bread it's like uh, my mom's from Arkansas so it's like this traditional sort of heavy butter sugar cinnamon bread it's pretty awesome sounds
1: great sounds like you you might have that for breakfast and then need need an immediate nap
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. it's a lot of food drinking and sleeping that day
1: yeah Um, you know mine's pretty nice Mine's pretty right down the middle as you. But like, I got kids as well, and I just remember the days of getting up. My parents did the same thing. They would be like, You can get your stocking, but you're not opening presents until we come down. And we'd be sitting yeah. there going back to their room, like, Hey, mom, dad, you guys getting up, you're getting up, you're yeah, getting let's up. Go. Yeah, let's go. Um, and now I'm on the uh, parent side of it, so it's just great to like sit there and like watch your kids open presents. You know? Oh, yeah. Sheer joy. It's, it's the best the best um on that um topic what's the best christmas present you've ever received
0: you know i didn't realize it at the time uh but my uh my grandmother-in-law is that really even a real thing i don't know uh, probably the first time i ever called her that she got me this thing carried my wallet it's called a pocket monkey. I've used that thing before. It's just a a thin tool. You can kind of do just about anything. Open up a bottle of beer, screw something, you measure something. Uh, I kind of looked at it when I opened it. I was like, what is this? Uh, and then uh, ever since, it's always comes in handy. Yeah.
1: I mean, a lifelong usage.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I buy it for people as gifts quite often after they've seen me use it. Well, I'll give you my address. Yeah, Um, yeah. What's yours, big guy?
1: I was a big G.I. Joe guy back when I was a little kid, you know? Oh yeah. He-Man, G.I. Joe, all those those, uh, uh, cartoons that I used to watch. And I had tons of G.I. Joes, and they came out with this aircraft carrier that was like six feet long. And it was, like, a monstrosity. And it was so much plastic. It probably took my dad, like, all night, 12 hours to put together in our basement. But I remember he was just like, you guys got one more present. My brother was two years younger than me, so we were kind of, like, into the same stuff. And we went downstairs and we were like, oh, my God. It was, like, one of those, like, aw, like you know, you've seen those videos where kids just go nuts because of the oh, present yeah. that they got. It was, like, one of those things. So um, probably the most, like vivid memory I have is is going downstairs and seeing this thing on the table in the basement just oh yeah we probably played for it for like two weeks and it was gone (laughs) in pieces yeah I guess this is going in the recycling yeah you body slam your brother onto (laughs) it yeah exactly it definitely got destroyed (laughs) um right, worst Christmas present you've ever received
0: you know that's a that's a good question I don't really know, to be honest with you. And I would be afraid of maybe saying it in case someone listening got offended.
1: Yeah. Well, I know my grandmother doesn't listen to our podcast. She's 94 (laughs) years old and lives in a nursing home. So um, I remember she would get me the same thing every year. She would go to JCPenney and get a matching Nike crew neck sweatshirt, like black with a swoosh on it, and a matching black Nike hat with a swoosh on it. And she did that until, like through college. And I remember oh, she, wow. oh, it was like, yeah, this was like, this is, was, this is, she knew, she thought like I was going to love it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Every year it was like, thanks grandma Appreciate oh, bless it. her heart. Yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, changing gears. We're on question four. What is the true meaning of Christmas?
0: good question I kind of there's you know I don't know it's probably or, or any, any, general the Christmas.
1: any anything you celebrate this time of year it doesn't have to be Christmas like obviously yeah, I, we're not like just to Christmas here
0: that like general Christmas spirit it's, it's like it, it's I think it hits home more when you have kids right it's just like that genuine sort of like innocence enjoyment and you know Santa is coming and leaving cookies out for him and the reindeer it's just like it's incredible. I mean, it's like even elevate, you know, big cities, New York City, right? It's just like the spirit, like the festivities is just uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, the vibe, the energy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Especially in New York.
1: Probably. Yeah, for, for me, it's the same thing. It's just like a time where you could kind of just um, let worldly worries go and focus on the important stuff. And, yeah. You know?
0: Pour yourself,
1: you Pour yourself a cocktail. Pour uh, yourself a cocktail. You know, not worry about what you're eating all weekend. It's the best.
0: Yeah. Your New Year's uh, resolutions will handle that, uh, you know, come January.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that'll be another episode. Um, all right, last question. Uh, if you were Santa Claus and you landed on a roof, parked the reindeer and, you know, squeezed yourself down the chimney, you a little hungry. Cause you've been working all night, uh, you're looking around for the cookie and the milk. Like, what type of cookie are
0: you looking for? What's your like? What, like, what do you want to eat? Uh, I'm like a sucker for like a good thick, like soft peanut butter cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could go for those all day long. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a glass of oat milk maybe to go with it. Oat milk. Yeah, you I know. lactose. You're not a lactose. Guy. Yeah, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of watch too many documentaries about you know the dairy industry. The dairy
1: industry. Uh, well,
0: you? What, what do you think? Especially if you've got
1: to eat millions and drink millions of glasses of milk. Like that's a lot. Yeah, of- I know, yeah. right? That's what you, cookie are you going with? Um, I'm with you. I like those uh, peanut butter blossoms. That's the peanut butter cookie with the Hershey kiss in the middle.
0: Uh oh yeah, yeah. strong, yeah, strong
1: my, my my wife um makes really good ones. And she's teaching our kids to do it too. So there's a, there's a cookie making tradition around the holidays. We've definitely made way too many of those in the past and you have to like give them away or you just got to like eat them like crazy. But those are great because you could pop the whole thing in your mouth and you get the peanut butter, you get the chocolate, especially when they're warm. That's right. What's your Christmas song of choice? Oh, um, I'm a classics guy. I love the I, I, I love the uh, chestnuts roasting by an open fire.
0: <laughs> chestnuts roasting on an open fire.
1: You know, and maybe, maybe like have a merry little Christmas. You know, I, I like the classics.
0: I'm a sucker for the, uh, the "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas" the version. I forget who sings it, but it's the version from Home Alone.
1: Okay, is that like the original version? White...
0: No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Well,
1: now that you mentioned Home Alone, what's your favorite holiday movie?
0: Oh, it's a good. I mean, Home Alone's right up there. Christmas Vacation. It probably was at one point. Um, I'm kind of a rom-com guy too, a little bit. I think Four uh, Four Christmases and The Holiday.
1: Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm a. I'd, I'd probably put Christmas Vacation right at the top. I think it nails everything I was just saying. Is like. Just the nostalgia that like Clark has during the holidays. That's just like I. It's kind of just where, where I want to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just got some great jokes in it. Oh I, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's my top one. But Home Alone is great. My kids love it. They 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 scream with laughter when they watch the scenes of uh, you know the wet bandits just getting yeah. their asses handed to them at the house. <laughs> yeah. They never get old. All right, Andrew. Let's wrap this up, buddy. Um... Uh, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Hopefully it won't take us another 12 months to do it, but we will do this episode next year. Yeah. You um, look great in that tuxedo. Thank you. Andrew, cheers to a solid 2022 and yeah. a uh, prosperous 2023. What are you drinking there, pal? Cheers, bud.
0: Oh, this... um It's actually a tequila Paloma uh, by Golden Rule Spirits, which was founded by one of our good buddies, Hunter Sproul and his cousin.
1: Amazing. Uh, I am familiar with that wonderful brand, and it just so happens that uh, they are sponsoring our podcast. So, uh, you know, this episode, a fully occupied podcast, is sponsored by our friends at Golden Rule Spirits, top shelf bar-strength destination cocktails in a 100-milliliter can. Whether you're looking for the perfect post-surf margarita or just a nightcap at home after a long day at work, Golden Rule has you covered. They're authentic, old-fashioned. Margarita, espresso martini, and tequila paloma cocktails are made with the highest quality ingredients and come in the perfect size, ready for any activity. So head to goldenrulespirits.com right now and get free shipping on orders of $80 or more using the code CHEERS before December 31st. And these delicious high-end cocktails will be shipped directly to you or your loved ones. The perfect way to celebrate the holidays and the ring in the new year. Golden Rule Spirits, drink unto others.
0: Cheers, cheers.